gift of service. Go to Romans 12, 7 with me. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 and verse 7. And, and I want you to know something. All of you who are here today and you name the name of Christ, I want you to understand, you have a gift. But again, it's your choice. Do you allow the Spirit to exercise that gift in your life? Now, that gift is there, but you can allow it to just lay dormant. And it's not effective in anybody's life. But every person who is truly born from above have a gift. And the Holy Spirit wants to exercise that gift in our lives. He wants to manifest that gift in our lives. So in Romans 12, 7, it simply reads, <clears throat> If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. Now, Roger would be the first to tell you, I, I'm, I'm not a teacher. No. But he can teach on finance, and he enjoys that one. Hey. But he's a servant, and he has served well. Barbara, a servant. In the kitchen, just going, moving, doing. A servant, just calling other women during the week and encouraging them. A servant. Roger served, and his giftedness is also encouragement. Because if you're around him long enough, you're going to laugh. You can come into his presence being sad, but before you leave, you're going to be laughing. No. And laughter is good medicine. And, and God has allowed those gifts to come to the surface in their life. Not that they brag about, I love to serve, I love to do this, I love to... You've never heard them brag about what they do. And the other thing, don't complain. They don't, they don't complain. You know? But all of us who are born again are gifted with some type of gift. And the question is this. Do we use it? Do we use it? It's not that Bob just enjoyed cooking. It was a gift. She enjoyed it. But it was a gift from the Holy Spirit. Don't think the flesh didn't get tired. <laughs> no. But God used it. Don't think Roger didn't get tired sometime running with me or doing. He got tired. You know. We both got tired. Any of us in the flesh, we get tired. But there's something about when the Holy Spirit activates the gift, the tiredness disappears. And the joy takes over. In Galatians 5... 13. You'll see this very much as part of both of their lives and that how they would live it and the things that they would do. You, my brother, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature.
In other words, yes, Christ has set you free, but you have not been set free to just take care of you. You haven't been set free just to please you. You haven't been set free just to do the things you want to do. You've been set free to take on the responsibility of caring for others. Ministering to others. Helping others. Serving others. And oftentimes we don't see that. Because, boy, we don't want to give of ourselves. But yet that's what we're called to do. To be a people who give of ourselves. So he says again, you my brothers are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature, rather serve one another. Help one another. And you will see it in their lives that they help others. They minister to others. So what are they doing? They're living out the biblical principle. They're living out the call on their life. They're serving with the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're actively living out the Christian life. And they understand it's not their life, it's his life in them. Performing the work of his father. Boy, there's no greater life than to know that you're in God's hands doing what God desires you to do. Boy, and we understand this. God is a rewarder to those who will faithfully serve him. God is not a debtor to us. He's a rewarder. And Roger and Bob are somewhat receiving their rewards. They're going to go visit some grandkids. You know, now what that's going to do to them, <laughs> you know, it's going to be something else. But what they're going to pour into the lives of those grandchildren is going to be something. The other thing that you see in their life is this. That is something we don't see a lot of today. that's missing in my life and maybe missing in your life is missing in quite a few of our lives. It's called faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's hard to find people who are just faithful. If they say something, they'll do it. They're committed. They're loyal. They're faithful. And I think they learned that from the God that they served. To be faithful. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1 9. 1 Corinthians 1 9. And it's amazing that as you serve the Lord, what you also learn from the Lord. And then as you learn it from Him, you also put it into your own life. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, catch this, is faithful. 
I learned to be faithful because the one who has called me is faithful. He's faithful in every part of my life. Every part of my life that I surrender to him and I give over to him. He's faithful. He's never failed me. He's never let me down. He's been loyal to me. He's always been there when I call on him. He's one I can trust. He's there. And as we learn faithfulness through the one who has called us and saved us, we ourselves become faithful. Because we walk so close to him. It's strange. You ever watch a little kid walk with their father, especially little boys sometimes? Who do they try to walk like? If dad's going down the street wide-legged, guess what the little boy tries to do? If dad is swinging, he's swinging. And we imitate our father. And we imitate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he's been faithful to them. They have also learned how to be faithful. People who have not experienced a faithful God, you'll find in their life that they're not faithful. People have not who experienced a God who is loyal and who is committed to them, you'll find that they're not very loyal or committed. Because those are something that we have to learn, but we have to learn them from someone. And the person that we learn it from is the one who calls us. The one who saves us. And therefore, it is so true what 1 Corinthians 4.1 says. Just turn over to 1 Corinthians 4.1. And you somewhat catch now the picture of this couple. It says, So then men ought to regard us as servants. That if we see anything in Roger and Barb's life, we are regard them as servants of the Lord. Servants of the Lord. People of God. People who love the Lord. But people who serve. Paul says, so then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. And as those entrusted. They've been entrusted with something. Each and every one of us has been entrusted with something from the Lord. The thing is, will we be found faithful in carrying it out? And the question is, for your life and my life, what has God entrusted into your hands? What has God given you that makes you unique in his kingdom? And he's looking forward to you to be faithful in that area. He says, boy, so then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. That when you look into people's life, can you really say they're faithful? They're loyal. They're committed. And I can say that about Roger and Barb. Been a faithful friend. Been a faithful cook. Been, been faithful in service to the church. Been faithful 
in serving missionaries, been faithful in serving others, have been faithful because God entrusted them with something. And they've proven their faithfulness over the years. You both have allowed God to work his plan in your life. And as I said in the beginning, this is not something Barbara and Roger has planned. This is not something that Roger and Barb was even very much aware of, or where they were going to go, because when they built that home next door to us, or when we built next to them, they built first, but they built with the idea they were going to die there. They were going to stay there. They were never going to move. But none of us never know what God has in store for us or planned for us when he's the head of our lives. And God has the right to pick us up from here and take us over here. And God has the right to ask us to do this and to do that. God has the right if he's the head of our lives, if he's the Lord of our life, if he's the master of our life, if he is the one who plans our life, God has that right. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. And this affects every one of us. See, the thing is, is that the things that have happened in their life was all ordained of God. From being a nurse, from being a millwright at Chrysler. Those are plans God makes. God knew us while we were yet in our mother's womb. And God sets forth a plan for us. And sometimes the plan isn't always exactly the way I want it to be. But no question about this. It's God's plan. Now understand this. God has a perfect plan for us. But oftentimes we go to plan B. That is not God's plan. And God will allow us to go to plan B. And you can plan your own life. But when you plan your own life... You'll find nothing but failure, 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 failure. Because you can't see far enough down the road. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're not the one who is able to say even if you'll have life the next hour. But when God plans your life, God is the one who removes all the dangers God is the one who says, okay, we're going to hit a bump, but I've already prepared you for the bump. Okay, this is going to be a time of testing, but I've already prepared you for the testing. Now I'm going to see how you respond during the test. And God is the one who gives us the victory over the trials. God is the one who is there because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. So he's right there with me, holding my hand through everything I go through. Why? Because he's the one who planned it. So he knows what I'm going to go through. 
He knows the help I'm going to have need of. He knows the encouragement I'm going to have need of. He knows what doors need to be opened in my life. He knows what doors need to be shut. He knows what people he needs to bring in my life. He knows what people he needs to keep out of my life. Because he's planned my life. But when I go to plan B, all kind of demons come in. All kind of folks that shouldn't be part of my life. All kind of failure happens and I begin to wonder, why don't it work for me? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. And this is gospel. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for your life. I know where I want you to work. I know where I want you to be educated. I know who I want you to marry. I know what I want you to do. The question is, will you submit to it? My wife, she kind of laughed because I told the kids... For some reason, the first day I saw my wife on the porch with her little yellow shorts on, that she was going to be my wife. Okay. And for some reason, for five years, I chased that dream. And even though she said no two times, the third time she said yes. Okay. As Roger said, it only takes one. <laughs> Just one yes. <laughs> and, and the whole process is this here. The Lord said, I know the plans I have for you. Now, my plan B was, boy, I went to Howard as a sheet metal man. I was going to start my own business in heating and air conditioning. I had my service going while I was still working at Chrysler. I was going to step out of Chrysler, start my own business with heating and air conditioning. I was putting in furnaces all around. My name was getting built. People were calling me. I bought a little shop. With my brake, my Pittsburgh lock, I had my little shop. I built another part onto my garage where I had my shop. I had my business about ready to go. And the Lord steps in and said, nope. Because my business was, I was going to be retired at 50. I was going to have this much money put away. And I was going to be able to take life easy. If it... And here I am still pastor and Roger retired. Something wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper, to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In God's hands, we always have a future. In God's hands, there's always those new beginnings. In God's hands, we will be surprised what he does. When we allow ourselves to rest in God's hands, we don't know what our tomorrows will be. But we are so thankful that the God who plans our lives know all about our tomorrows. And it is true what scripture says. If your desire is God, then God will fulfill your ever desire. If you desire him, he will fulfill your wants. And for a grandmother, she likes to spend some time 
with a granddaughter. For a grandfather, he likes to spoil them and take them to McDonald's and have a Christmas with them that he hasn't been able to spend with them. There are some things that they would like to do with their grandchildren that they have not been able to do from a distance. And now that desire that was in them because of their faithfulness to God, God has made it possible for them to make that transition to Denver and he's going to fulfill these last years of their desire. Because they've been so faithful to him. And again, I want to restate to you, when you live a life of faithfulness to God, you will be surprised what God does in your life. And as Paul says, you are our written epistles. You are the evidence of God and the work of God. And you have demonstrated so much of that. that we're not saying you're perfect. But what we do see is God's hand upon a couple. And we thank you for your faithfulness and your loyalty, first to your Savior and then to all of us. We thank you. Thank you. And at this time, we're going to open the church up for anyone who wants to just come up and wish them well. And uh, you have about three minutes. Uh, we have this mic on. Can we turn this mic on? And once you just come and uh, just share. Because this has been a life story of what God has done. Amen? Amen. Do we have this mic? Amen. Go ahead, Jim. Is it on? Fast, I'm going to try to hold it three. Okay. Three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> okay. My wife and I, we come to know Roger and Byron. It's been about eight years. Some of you don't know. I was attending another church when I was visiting Nacionalized. And back eight years ago, I had a total hip replacement on my left hip. And Roger and James found out about it. <sighs> I said, I'm going to do this. Roger.